in the word this morning. I'm so glad to be with you. I, um, I've, I've been out of the pulpit a little bit, some of it because of guests and some of it because of travel. And then I got, I got a bad cold and I just got my voice back this week. Praise the Lord, just in time. My ear was plugged for like two weeks. I couldn't hear out of my ear. And right after communion, my ear popped open. Praise the Lord. So I can hear out of my ears. So this whole side, I can hear you. If you're shouting amen, I can hear you. Not just this side. So it's going to be good. Yes? Is everybody with me? All right. There's five people that are excited about this service today. Praise the Lord. Hey, I want to welcome all our online viewers. I want to welcome our Framingham campus, our, our TC campus. Can you guys give them up? Give it up for all our family. Fram fam, TC, what's going on? Hey, Framingham. Uh, so proud of you guys. What's going on there? I want to just do a little special shout out to Kim Marion. Everybody look at Kim Marion in the Framingham campus. She shucked the corn on Tuesday night at CLA. I heard she just absolutely crushed it. Thanks for covering for us there. I just do want, I want to do a little personal shout out. TC, Pastor Jim leading over there today, uh, praying for you guys. God bless you all. We're so happy to be one church, many locations. Can I have an Amen. Amen. Listen, hey, um, we are starting a uh, new series today. Everybody say new series. And so I want to get us uh, just in the right mindset. So can we just open with a word of prayer and everybody just kind of bow your heads. Thank you, Lord, so much. First of all, for the worship. Thank you uh, for that, even that final song. Thank you for the blood applied. Oh, I thank you that the blood of Jesus gives us access to God the Father, gives us authority over things here on earth. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that because of your blood, uh, we can be in right standing with God today. Thank you for communion, Lord. We can remember. We can look back. We can experience you in the present. And we can expect to be with you in the future. Thank you, Jesus, for communion. Lord, I thank you for the word that we're about to receive. And I pray, Lord, that we would have receptive minds, receptive spirits to what your word would say to us and speak to us. Lord, I ask for your help this morning. I ask for your anointing, God, to be on my lips. And may, Lord Jesus, the things that come out of my mouth, Lord God, pierce hearts and, and transform lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready. All right. Hey, uh, so we are in a series, a little mini-series we're going to do today. Uh, called Class is in Session. <laughs> Some of you are thinking like, come on, PD, um, I am done school. How many done school? Raise your hand if you're done school. You got out of school. No more college, no more, no more high school, no more, you know, special courses that you're taking, things like that. And, and, and there, can be a there can be an attitude sometimes that accompanies our, um, our, post -ex our, pre -exper our experience that we had in the past. That's the word I'm looking for. Where we think, I'm done learning. It's over. You know, I don't, I don't need to, uh, uh, to learn anymore. I don't need to apprehend anymore. And I hope that is not the case for you. I hope that's not the case for Framingham and TC. This miniseries, though, is not about getting information. It's about getting wisdom. Come on. Amen? Amen? So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And, and, as we, and, and this particular message um, that the Lord, I pray, will help me deliver to you. I actually just put it together yesterday. I've been traveling and, and had a crazy, crazy week this week in, in another part of the country. And, and Lord, I, I just got my outline done on Wednesday night, super late. And I said, God, you're just going to have to download this. And he's like, you know what, son? I've given you the gift of wisdom. You know, you can actually not only ask for wisdom, but you can have this gift of wisdom too. And so I believe he's going to help me help you today. Amen. And so I want to encourage you to take notes, okay? Um, 
Uh, some of you are really good note takers. Eddie's wife, uh, Christina, she's in the back there. She's probably the best note taker in the church. And so she says right there in the back, I'm going to highlight her. I'm totally embarrassed her and she hates this right now. But if you ever want to see the notes of all the sermons, she has them back like five, six years, something like that. I think way back, every single sermon, she's got all of them. And uh, she could finish my sentences. And if she loved being in front of people, she could probably preach right now too. But she doesn't. But she is a great note taker and she's grown tremendously from that. But when we're talking about wisdom, we got the, the word of God to help us. And one of the, uh, the books in the Bible that clearly is known as the wisdom book is what? It's the book of Proverbs, okay? And so Old Testament is kind of is Proverbs for sure. New Testament, it might be the book of James. So we're going to highlight a, a New Testament proverb, might be the book of James. We're going to highlight both of those books with multiple texts this morning. But if you were in the book of Proverbs, 26 out of the 31 chapters talk about wisdom. As soon as you start the chapter, literally right out of the gate, 10 of them begin with wisdom, right out of the gate. 10 of the chapters just start with wisdom. So wisdom is supreme, the Proverbs says. Wisdom is, is something that we should get it. It tells us to go get it at all. It's, it has a cost to it. It's, it's priceless, and we should go after it. But what I want you to have today, when we talk about wisdom, the thing that accompanies that, the thing that's above learning or knowledge, is, uh, is a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit. And, and kind of what I've coined this, what I've kind of titled this message and, and, and kind of a phrase that I want you to kind of walk away with today is, is I receive. Can you just say that? I receive. I receive. There's a tendency, I think this is very true in the New England uh, area, the Northeast region. We're a learned group of people. We're an intellectual group of people. But we have a hard time receiving. Like we study for information, but I think we have a hard time receiving or, or, or finding true wisdom. And, and so this is all about a teachable spirit. In the book of James, I think it'll come up on the screen, James 3.17. I'm going to get to this text a little bit later. But there's a portion of the verse where it says, it talks about the wisdom that's from above. That's heaven, comes from heaven to earth. It says it's peaceable. It's easily entreated. One translation says um, that we're called, you, the person who gets this is willing to submit or willing to yield. So in other words, a prerequisite for receiving wisdom from God is a person who has their receiver on. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you have your receiver on this morning? Because that's what a wise person has. A wise person, not a smart person, not just an intelligent person. A wise person wants to receive. A wise person is saying, Pastor D, preach one more message today. A wise person is saying, Pastor, can you give me one more wisdom nugget today? That was fire. A wise person is saying, Pastor, preach 15 minutes longer today in this sermon. Come on, somebody. Pastor, just ignore the clock this morning. Come on, Pastor. Some of you are not saying amen to that, and that's okay. But anyway, uh, but this is not... This receiver, I would submit to you, is not, in truth, our default setting. I don't think we're good at receiving wisdom from God or wisdom from godly people, godly wisdom through people. I don't think we wake up and say, uh, you know, I really hope someone teaches me today. I really hope somebody brings some correction into my life. 
that somebody exhorts me, you know, early today because, uh, because I need it so badly. It, it would really make my day if one of my coworkers would let me know what is annoying about me that I don't realize. Most people don't think like that. That's not our default setting. Are you, are you with me? But it would be awesome if we had an attitude that was teachable. I don't think people get up every day uh, with their spouse and uh, I'll just do husband to wife. I don't know why it feels more like it's common this way. But, you know, honey, would you please me, give me a list. <laughs> give me a list of the things <laughs> about me that bother you or that bother other people. Or, or, you know, give me a list of things that I can do in essence to get better. Look, honey, give me a list of how I should fold the laundry correctly. Look, honey, would you give me a list of how am I supposed to put the dishes in the dishwasher? I didn't know they all have to have a certain direction to them. I thought we just put dirty dishes into the dishwasher. I'm working something out right now in front of everybody. But I'm so receptive to this to this wisdom that you have that I, I want to reflect on it. So would you give me this list so I can reflect on it in my devotions early this morning? How many of us know we don't, we don't have this default, do we? Right? And, but the Bible is telling us, and we'll look at this verse in a second, but if you're going to be wise, there should be something inside of you. Everybody say inside of you. That desires instruction, that is glad to receive instruction, that wants desperately uh, to what? To get better. To get better, everybody. See, the truth is, to the extent that you are not growing, it's because you don't want instruction. Proportionate to your lack of, your lack of instruction is proportionate to your lack of growth. Are you with me? And when you're not growing, you're done. You're in trouble. You're, I used to say, you're AD. You're all done. John Maxwell says, when you're through changing, you're through. You're through. How many people, I know this to be true for me, I'm sure it's true for some of you, that you, I, I, I'm, I'm coming up on, you know, mid-50s now, okay, in, in my life. I'm going to be 55 this coming, this coming year. But I know what it's like to see a, somebody my age that is still stuck, like, in their growth when they were 35. They're 55, but they're actually, in terms of their growth, 35. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Far be it for us to be people who continue to get older, but we don't continue to get better. We should get fine like wine. Can I have an amen out there? And so there's a word in the word of God, a biblical word for this, and it's strong. Um, but I think it's, it's something that's misinterpreted sometimes. But uh, there's a word that's called uh, fool in the Bible, a fool. I remember watching the Rocky uh, series, and Mr. T used to say, pity the fool, pity the fool. I saw a documentary where he said he got that from the Bible. And he, he saw that the Bible said you should pity people, and he also said there's a lot of foolish people, and so he put them together, and he got pity the fool, pity the fool. And he patented that, and his retirement is based on that statement. I don't know if you knew that. But anyway, there are these different behaviors of a fool that I want to highlight for you. Are you with me, everybody? Is everybody getting something out of this this morning? Okay, let me just read this key text before I get into that. This is Proverbs 10.8, okay? Proverbs 10.8. Everything I've said supports this verse. It says, the wise are glad to be instructed. The wise are like, please, give me some more. Pastor, preach a little bit longer. Honey, give me, give me that list. <laughs> Come on, give me that list. 
you know. But then it says, but, but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. Babbling fools fall fat, <laughs> flat on their faces. They might, because they're fat, fall down. But anyway, but they fall flat on their faces. All right, I'm going to get out of that. I'll get myself in trouble. So, all right. So there are different behaviors of a fool. Nobody here, because we're on church today, and we got up and we prayed two hours before we came here, and we've been seeking the Lord and got in the Word today. But for those people who aren't here, let me give you three behaviors of fools. Are you with me? All right, here's the first one, and make sure that you don't, you don't have these characteristics in your life. The first aspect or behavior of a fool is the know-it-all. <laughs> the know-it-all, all right? It's not you, of course. We know it's not you. It's someone maybe right in your row, okay? If it's somebody in your row, don't poke them. Don't just wink at me. Just wink at me if they're in your row. Okay, wink at I see you. I see, I see that eye. I see that eye. All right, this is what Proverbs 28, 26 says. It says, those who trust in their own insight, everybody say own insight, are foolish, are foolish. But anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. Here's another verse, Proverbs eleven fourteen. the New King James says, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. See, what the Bible is trying to tell us is that no one, no one, uh, not, no, none of us know everything about everything. None of us know everything about everything. It doesn't mean you're stupid because you don't know everything about everything. It might be you're just ignorant about a certain thing. That doesn't make you stupid. Are you with me, everybody? It just might make you ignorant. And so the Bible is trying to tell us through the wisdom books here that you can't know everything about everything. So you need a posture in your heart, inside, I would just say, of a teachable spirit. Since I don't know it all and I can't know it all, I need to learn or gain instruction. I, I, and I don't want to do it from just anybody, Proverbs is telling me. I need to have somebody's, bad English but good preaching, somebody's in my life. I like to call it a board of directors for your life. Some people have boards of directors for their ministries, for their organizations, for their companies. But very few people have a board of directors for their life. Who is the multitude of counts of good counselors that you have in your life. I've said this before, but we don't need critics. We need coaches in our life. Amen. Don't listen to critics. Listen to coaches. A critic, their desire is to hurt you. A coach's desire is to help you, wow. is to help you. A critic doesn't love you. A coach loves you and cares about you, is trying to raise you to another level. And coaches can come in many different shapes and sizes and colors and backgrounds and, 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 and different phases of life. But I can tell you what, in the church of Jesus Christ, you can find coaches in your life to help you. If you get connected, if you get in community, if you get groups, by the way, are so good at helping you find coaches. Because it's in those circles that you build trust. It's in those circles that you get to a place where someone can help you see what you can't see about you and me. They can see the backside of your head. They can give you perspective. They can speak life into you. And because you're doing life in a circle, you're doing life close to one another, you have that trust and you, you know they love you when they're telling you what they tell you. Are you with me? Amen? And so get around people who want to help you grow, help you advance, help you progress. It's one of our core values here is growth. Here's the, the next foolish person is the been there, done that person. <laughs> been there, done that, got the t-shirt, sold it to defer the cost. You know that person, right? They, they, they want you to know they've been there and they've done that. And they can't help themselves. 
The Proverbs says in Proverbs 18.2, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Been there, done that. They don't, they don't have any desire to listen to what you have to say. They can't wait for you to listen to what they have to say, right? In fact, they're, while you're talking, they're anticipating the moment you take a, a breath so that they can pounce on that moment to be able to, in fact, sometimes we can't even help ourselves when we're, you know, been there, done that person. We want, we interrupt. We interrupt. That's something that I've had to work on because I like what I have to say so much that I can't wait to say it. And I can't wait for you to stop saying what you're saying. So I'll interrupt you with what I have to say because what I have to say is better than what you're saying. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Is it just me? Is it just me? Okay. No. So... <laughs> In some ways, I've seen this very common in ministry when you're doing um, counseling, especially marital counseling. It's amazing to me. You have these young couples coming in. They haven't even been married before, but, they, but they've been there, done that. At least they act like they have. I'm thinking to myself, they're not receiving. They're not hearing what we're saying to them. They're acting like they've gone down this road before. They have, and then you have people who've been there, done that, like they've been divorced. Now they don't need counseling because we've done it before. Yeah, you did it wrong. That's why, you, that's why, hello? So I don't, we don't need counseling because, you know, we don't need this, we don't need that. And so what is this lack of teachability? What is this, I don't have a teachable spirit anymore? Uh, uh, John, uh, Tony Evans says, it's easier to shape a child than to repair an adult. Wow. See, we've lost, a teachable spirit has a certain childlikeness in them. I think we should be, as we get older, we should still have a childlikeness inside of us. And one of the characteristics of childlikeness is I can receive. I can continue to learn. It's, I've not been there, done that. Are you with me, everybody? And so as a result, if we don't do that, you will learn, but you'll learn from pain. All right? So you can learn by wisdom or you can learn by pain. Some people learn because they received enough they're able to some people learn because they want to learn and they grow some people change when they hurt enough they have to that's not the ideal are you with me everybody now third everybody say the third fool don't look at anybody right now when you say that this is the third fool petty the fool is the one upper the one upper <laughs> the one upper now now there's a lot to say about this particular person but for the sake of time i won't but a lot of times this person has, they take information, they're, they're hearing you, they're hearing you, but they're not listening to you, okay? They're hearing you, they take the information, the counsel, the wisdom that you're providing, but they take it for their purposes. They apply it to their, their narrative, not God's journey for their life. They take it for, not for its intended purpose, and, and because they're not receiving the wisdom that is being transferred to them for its intended purpose, they just use it. Now listen, and then they lose it. As fast as they got it, they lost it because they're not taking it for its intended purposes. I hear you, but they're not applying it to me. I hear you, but this doesn't apply to me. So it just stays up here in their head. And so they use it for someone else or something else, but they lose its value because it never went from their head into their heart because they didn't have a teachable spirit. Are you with me? And so Proverbs 12, 15 says, fools think their own way is right. But the wise, the wise listen to others. Well, I know what's best 
yet the person that they're talking to has been alive twice as long as them. I know what's best to do with this investment, yet the person that's talking to them has twice the wherewithal financially. I know what's best regarding marriage and relationships, but the person they're talking to has been married for 50 years to your two years, but somehow you know what's best. I remember one time in this very room, a single guy trying to get me to take the wisdom he had to apply it to my marriage. I wanted to be like, come here, come here, come here. You know, I just wanted to smack him. Like, what is the matter with you? What qualifies you to counsel? <laughs> to counsel. Anyway, but, but I believe we can learn from everybody. But th this, this particular person was just a, a little, struggled a little bit in relationships as a whole. But fools fall flat on their faces, the Proverbs tells us. And you don't want to fall flat on your face. You don't want to fall flat on your face in your finances. You don't want to fall flat on your face. If you say that too many times, you're going to make a mistake. You don't want to fall flat on your face in your relationships, in your parenting, right? In, in, in the purpose of God for your life, in your choices, and in your health. So what do we need? We need a teachable spirit. We need to have our receiver on. Everybody say, I receive. Come on, Framingham TC. I receive. I receive. So what does a teachable spirit look like? Um, first of all, it's not just a reader, a learner, a listener or hearer, I could say, it's a, it's a posture. And I hope you guys get this as you go home. It's a disposition. It's an, it's an attitude. It's, it's really, from a practice standpoint, it's a person who can learn from anyone, anywhere. You don't, you, it's, not, it's not like I can only learn from certain people. They have to like pre-qualify themselves. No, there's people, I can learn from anyone now. I, didn't, I couldn't say that all the time, but I just, I call it, you just, you just kind of like, Eat the meat, spit out the bones. Are you with me, everybody? Yeah. There's, always, there's always something good that you can get from certain people. And so I can learn from a 20-something. And I hope when I'm 80, I can still learn from the 20-somethings. Can I have an amen? amen? I learn a ton from young people in this church. And I've seen attitudes creep into the church where as we get older, we can't listen to the younger. Can I just say as just a testimony, there's probably no single individual in my life that I learn more from than my 30-year-old son. He's filled with wisdom. It's not just a chronology thing. Are you with me? It's because he's, he's developed a teachable spirit. So he doesn't just have knowledge. He has wisdom. And I'll unpack more what wisdom is and, and what it looks like. But I just want to get you to see you're a fool to think that you can't learn from somebody that's younger than you. Are you with me, everybody? So, and what is your posture towards the next generation? I think they have perspectives and experiences and just uncanny, uncommon insights that we can develop a lot and learn a lot from as we go forward because our culture is shifting and changing. The word of God remains steadfast and forever, and it is immovable, okay? But our methods must change. The, me the, the message is sacred, but the methods must change. And so sometimes we have to learn from the next generation so that we know how to reach it. Can I have an amen? amen. And so I don't, I don't know everything. And you don't either. And I don't know everything about relationships. I don't know everything about friendships. I don't know everything about social issues and government and health. And, and you can pick a subject, the market, even ministry. I don't know everything about those things. And so we have to have a posture that is teachable. This is not in your notes, but Proverbs 1.5 says, let the wise, so in other words, they're already wise, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. So a wise person doesn't just say, that's it, I'm done. 
I've reached the pinnacle of wisdom. I am Solomon incarnate. I'm retired. I've figured it all out. No, 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 no. I, I, I have never, you never arrive. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Everybody say even wiser. That means you keep growing. Let those with understanding, I love this, receive, receive guidance. So I think this is a lifelong journey. This is not something that you just, you start and stop and you, it ends when you're 18 or it ends when you get out of college. It ends when you, after you get your, 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 your secondary degree. No, it's for life. It's for life. Wisdom is supreme, the Bible says, though it costs you everything, gain wisdom. The Bible's telling you, give everything you can to gain wisdom, to gain wisdom. And, and you have to do that. Knowledge is, 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 and, and, and is horizontal, but wisdom is divine. Knowledge is here, but wisdom is here. Is everybody with me right now? Are you getting something out of this? Okay, turn to your neighbor, squeeze their biceps, say you're getting stronger right now. You're getting stronger, okay? So, wisdom, in the Hebrew, wisdom is divine skill. Everybody say divine. Is divine skill for living, okay? So I want to talk about what does this teachable spirit look like so I can have wisdom that affects my, how I live my life. I need divine skill for living. So I need this teachable spirit. Here's what it looks like. Number one, it's a humble spirit. Everybody say humble. Proverbs 11.2. A lot of scripture in this one today. Are you enjoying this teaching? Five people enjoying this teaching. Praise, praise God. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, Proverbs 11.2 says, pride leads to disgrace. It's so true. Is that true or what? Pride leads to disgrace. You get yourself in a big pile of poo-poo if you stay proud, okay? But, humi but with humility comes wisdom. So the best soil for wisdom is humility, is humility. You can't be teachable and proud at the same time. You can't. A lot of times I'll go in recently because my heritage, my, let's say, uh, predisposition generationally is to be proud. My family line has wrestled pride back many generations. And the Lord helped me see that, in order, that, that, that humility is a direct characteristic not to fame or success, but to greatness. The greatest leaders are humble leaders. Are you tracking so far? Je Jesus was the greatest leader on planet Earth, and he brought himself low. He made himself of no reputation. Uh, the Bible doesn't say humble yourself. It says be humble. It doesn't say be humble. It says humble yourself. You can't just be humble. You have to intentionally make yourself humble. And so you have to go into situations, you have to walk in life with, with an intentionality to, to, to be humble in all of your relationships and all your dealings. Are you with me? Because there's going to be a tendency, some worse than others, in my case, worse than others, where you, you're just going to think, well, what I have to say and what I think and who I am is, 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 is better. And, and the Bible says to me, and he says to you, that God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. That's divine enablement. It's not the word you say when you pray. It's not a pretty girl's name. Grace is divine enablement. You don't get that if you're proud. 
And that word resist in, in the picture, the word picture, when you look at biblical languages, is it's a, it's, it's a stiff arm. It's God's given everybody the Heisman. Anybody who's proud, boom, you get the Heisman from God. He resists you. But if you're humble, the Bible's telling us that he draws, he draws you in. My grandsons, I was, my, my two oldest grandsons, Hudson and, and Zion, were with us recently together, and they were playing, and, and they want to wrestle. As soon as they get together, they see me, it's, it means wrestle time, right? And, and they're jumping on me, they're, they're, they're jumping all over my back, they're trying to crack my neck, they're trying to break my back, they're trying to do something to hurt me, you know, in some way, testing every little limit they can possibly with Poppy. But I have this capacity with them at this particular point in my life where I can just, I can just hold their head, <laughs> just stiff arm them, and just hold them off. And they can be swinging, they can be kicking, doesn't matter. I can just stiff arm them as long as I want. Sometimes I can put them down and just stick, put them right under my heel, you know. They can't breathe, but, you know, eventually, because you want to live, you will find a way. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. But anyway, I, I stiff arm these kids, you know. I treat them like men. Come on. Uh, but that's what God does when we're proud. He stiff arms us. I don't want to be stiff armed by God. How many want to be stiff armed by God? I hope not. But he draws in the humble. Pride is saying, I don't want to admit I need help. Pride is saying, I don't want to admit I don't know the answer. Pride is, doesn't want to say, can you, can, you, can you speak to this part of my life? And I think this is very common when we get older, too, but it's not just, it's not just younger, but it's older, too. As we get older, sometimes we just think, I, 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 got, I got it. I'm good. But sometimes we have parts of our character, not our competence, that need wisdom. See, my competence is strong in financial dealings, but my character wants to serve itself. So as an example, uh, I had this, uh, I still, he's still a father figure to me, Pastor Charlie Legassi. Some of you guys remember him. He was on staff here for over 30 years. Whenever I would make a major financial decision, I still call Pastor Charlie Legassi. You say, well, you're a grown man. I said, I know that. In my 40s, I get ready to buy a car. I'd still run it by him. Hey, I want to run this by you because in the past, they kind of did this, and I went and did that. And so I just want to run this by you. What do you think about this? Here's, here's the numbers. And he would he'd do the numbers with me, but he more was like, why do you want that? Are you with me? And so it's good to have a disposition, a teachable spirit, no matter how old you are, because sometimes it's not just because your character, it's, your comp it's not because your competence, it's your character. Number two, here's what a teachable spirit looks like. You desire to grow. You desire to grow. I think one of the saddest things in life is when you don't want to grow anymore. But one of the reasons we don't grow is because there's a friction that comes with growth. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. One translation says, the countenance of his friend. One of the reasons we don't get into these uh, growth environs, growth connections, is because there's a friction with that. There's pain that comes with that. There's, pe there, there's people's lives that are rubbing together. Uh, I, I watched this show. It's a documentary called Forged in Fire. And, and Forged in Fire is a documentary series where it's all about making knives and swords. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of the guys are like, yeah, let's talk about that. And, and, but one of the things I can just remember is they would take this metal, and the first thing they do is they throw it right in the fire. And a lot of people in relationships, they run from the fire. 
It's, there's something that's happening in that situation, and then the metal, the iron, begins to smash and hammer. There's a hammer, that be, an anvil that begins to smash that iron, and it creates this friction and sparks. But nothing incredible is going to happen. No weapon will be forged if we don't get in the fire, and we don't have a little bit of banging and clanging, and we don't have a little bit of iron on iron. And, and when we do, something great happens in our life. But many of us don't get to that place of growth because we don't like the friction. We think because that person is that way, they're not a good friend. In actuality, they might be the best friend in your life. Are you with me? Because they're, they're willing to tell you some things that they see because they want to call you higher. They know that you're, there's something greater inside of you, and they care. Listen, they care enough sometimes to tell you those things. Are you with me? Could be your best friend there. And small groups should be like this. It's a place of sharpening. And, 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 and the iron can't sharpen the iron if we don't get close. There's no, there's no real growth without a certain amount of intimacy. I wrote this in my notes. When we stay at a distance from people, we stay the same as people. Huh. It's better than you amen. Praise the Lord. See, see, some of you, your blade is dull. You've lost your edge. And it's because you're not in friction friendships, friction relationships in your life. A dull blade, you know, when you lost your edge, you can't cut through a lot of the issues of life quickly because you're, you've lost your edge. You've lost your edge. A dull blade is only good for, for cutting through butter, everybody. We need, a, we need a steak knife, somebody. Come on, God's food. Can I have an amen out there? The only thing worth eating, praise God. Thank God for all the vegans right now. Praise the Lord. My supply has increased because of your sacrifice. Just want to thank you, bring honor to you. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. That's not spiritual. Praise the Lord. Okay. Number three. <laughs> Number three. Uh, a characteristic of a teachable, teachable spirit is they embrace correction. Dum, dum, dum. I hate this point, but... It's still good. Uh, my friend Lane Schrantz, uh, one of the pastors at Church of the Highlands, he says, he says, Derek, encouragement makes us feel better, but correction makes us better. So do you want to just feel better, or do you actually want to get better? If you want to get better and you want to grow, you have to have a teachable spirit that embraces correction. Proverbs 12.1, Solomon said it. I didn't say it. He says, to learn, you must love discipline. I hate discipline, Pastor. Well, that's a problem. I don't love discipline on the front end. I love what discipline does on the back end. So let's just be honest. Nobody loves entering the discipline. I, I didn't like getting up early this morning. I went to bed a little bit late last night. I had an acai bowl at like 9. Come on, somebody. All the Brazilians say amen. If you don't know what that is, see me afterwards. I'll gift you with that wisdom. But, but, but I was like, you know what? It, the tendency was just to mess up my sleep a little bit because and, and, I had too much sugar and I didn't like that. But I was still going to get up early. I'm going to do my routine. I was up early. And I didn't want to work out. It was a little cold out today. I hate the front end. But the back end, come on, somebody. I was feeling good. Felt like I could kick a door down. I was like, this is, this is, this is, this is why I do this. But the Bible goes on to say, if you learn, you will, you got, you got to, you're going to have to love discipline. And then it says, it is stupid to hate correction. It's stupid to hate correction. One translation says, you're like a brutish animal. You're just like a, just a dumb animal. 
So I think, I think correction isn't condemnation, everybody. Condemnation is pushing you away from God. Condemnation is pointing to your weaknesses. Correction from God is calling you closer to him, and it's calling you higher in him. Amen? So God's trying to get you better, but for you to get better, your pride's got to go down. You've got to be open to receive. Your receiver's got to be on. We know this to be true as parents. How many parents in the room? Raise your hand. T.C. Framingham, go ahead and raise your hand if you're a parent. Praise the Lord. But you know that if you're going to get these blessed children out of your blessed home someday, that you're going to have to correct them. You're going to have, you see certain things in their life that if you don't address those things, they won't be able to get a job. And if they don't get a job, they're going to come back into your house. And you don't want that. So there's obviously mixed motives as to why you want to teach them certain things. But you're teaching them for the most part because you love them and you care about them. Are you with me, everybody? And so when God isn't correcting you, you should be concerned. Because correction is a form of love. He chastens those that he loves, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12. And so, and when we don't receive that, it's because our heart has become hard. We become callous. See, isn't it interesting? We can't receive from God because of a hard heart. It's not a hard head first. A lot of times it's a hard heart. It's a hard heart. And we stop listening to him. So God will do different things to try to soften our heart. Sometimes he'll use circumstances to soften us up. Sometimes he'll use our spouse to try to soften us up. Sometimes you got to have a little rope-a-dope, you know, fight with your wife in the kitchen. You know what I mean? It's going back and forth. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. But God's trying to get your attention. This can happen in the workplace. I told a staff member just a couple of months ago, if you don't, if you don't receive correction from me once in a while, you should be nervous. It means I'm done with you. I've resigned. It doesn't mean I'm done with you as a person. I'm done with you as a team member because if you can't grow with us, you can't go with us. Are you with me, everybody? So if you want comfort, eat ice cream, everybody, and acai bowls. But if, if you want to grow, you got to eat correction. you got to eat it for breakfast. Amen? Proverbs 13, 13 says, People who despise advice are asking for trouble. Those who respect a command will succeed. Then it goes on to say, The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Well, how do I know if it's a life-giving fountain? Well, if you go home from this message today and, and uh, you go to work tomorrow and you sit down and you're like, I've, I've received all this wisdom today from Pastor Derek. And so I'd like you all to gather around because I'd like to bestow some of the wisdom that I just received starting with you. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's not going to probably go over too well. You know, you're probably not going to have a lot of success if, if that's kind of how you approach it. If you get to your, with your wife after church today, honey, I, I've got a few things I want to share with you. I've got some wisdom that I'd like to bestow upon you. I'd like to apply the word that we received today. I want to use what I've received in my life to help you. You, know, you. you might fail if you don't have the right disposition. It should be a life-giving fountain. The instruction of the wise is a life-giving fountain. It means that they feel when they they get it, they feel like uh, it's, it, it's like, I want more of that. The wisdom from above is peaceable and easily entreated. When you're, when you're giving the wisdom from heaven, it might still hurt, but they want more of it. They love how it hurts, but they want more of it. They know there's some pain, but they know there's going to be some gain. I need, they're thinking and they're saying things like, I needed that. Thank you very much 
Thank you very much, brother. Thank you very much, sister. Thank you very much, uh, pastor. Well, when I was in college, uh, a professor pulled me aside one time. I had preached a sermon. We had to do these. We had, they, they gave you a verse the day before in class. They would open a Bible, and they would pick one verse, a random verse, and you had to build a message around it. And that message also had to end with the 60-second gospel message at the end. So you do the message, and then they would hit a buzzer. As soon as they hit the buzzer, you had to stop whatever you're doing and do the gospel message right out of that. And I just slayed it, everybody. I'm just going to be honest with you. I absolutely slayed it. And, and, and afterwards, the professor pulled me aside and said, uh, Derek, I just want to let you know you're, you're very gifted. You're very influential. He says, but, I, but if you don't get over your pride, and if you don't get over your fear of man, which I didn't even know what that meant at the time, it's going to cost you your ministry. Wow. It was about three or four days of sulking and soaking in that word. But it was a life-giving fountain to me. It was a life-giving fountain. It helped. It hurt, but it helped. And those who respect a command will succeed, the proverb says. So my question is, with so little time left, who can correct you? Who do you have in your life? Who do you have in your life that corrects you? You know, I, I know people that my wife and I have pulled aside at different times in ministry, and they were getting ready to take or make a decision, take another step, and we advised against it strongly from our experience, from our knowledge of the word, from our concern and care for them, and people went ahead and did it. And I don't, I, I don't have time to unpack examples, but it didn't go well for them. And it wasn't because we put some voodoo spell on them, Okay. It wasn't that at all. We just saw the bigger picture. We had an objective view of what was happening in their marriage or in, in maybe they're moving to another area or some job thing that they were going to take. Do you, have, do you have anybody that gives you perspective in your life? Framingham TC, who's in your life that is telling you things and helping you see things that you cannot see? Do you have anyone that's further down the road than you that can help you? Pause for effect. So how do I get wisdom? Three, three A's, triple A, okay? How do I get wisdom? For those of you who are taking notes, good job. Number one, write, write this down. Ask for it. Ask for it. This isn't rocket science, everybody. If you need wisdom, just ask. Now we're switching from Proverbs to James. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Come on, somebody. Can I have an Amen who gives generously to some people who read their Bibles every day. No, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So I, this is something that I pray. I, I like to say I do it every day. I don't do it every day. But one of the most common prayers in my life is wisdom. Because the things that I'm dealing with, the, the way I view it, are way above my pay grade. As I fostered and cultivated humility, I've realized that most of what I do is way above my pay grade. And because of that, I pray on a routine basis, not for more knowledge, but for more wisdom. And I specifically pray, God, I want wisdom beyond my years and beyond my experience. And you know what? God has been faithful time and time again to give me wisdom that has been beyond my years and beyond my experience. Even this week, I, I just give glory to God for how he helped me through a very difficult situation. And it was because I asked God for wisdom. Are you with me? Some of you are asking God for, for information and more intelligence. God wants to give you more intimacy. He wants to give you more insight. Some of you are asking God for more reason, and he wants to give you more revelation. It's different. 
Because it goes from here into here, and it changes you from the inside out. Are you with me? And I would just say, don't just ask God for wisdom. Listen, add sub-point, ask godly people for wisdom. I hope we've seen that already within the context of this entire message. You should have people in your life that help you. Number two, so you don't just ask God. How do you get it? You, you accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. Everybody say amen. amen. James 3.17 says, but the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It's peace-loving, gentle. I've already shared this verse. And willing to yield to others. Okay, so I'm, I'm asking you, you this, this particular thing is saying that in order for you to get wisdom, your will is involved. You cannot get wisdom if your will is not involved. Are you seeing this from James 3.17, everybody? Your will, your chooser, it's like a switch in receiving this. You can't just say, God, open up my brain and pour in all of that information. That's what I used to do when I was in Spanish class. Lord, just pull in all this language Right now, right before this test, supernaturally give me all these verbs and the tenses and the vocabulary. It's not going to happen like that. I have to accept personal responsibility to, to gain wisdom. Are you with me? My, my parents, you know, my, my, you know and, and my teachers and my coaches, I, I, I can't blame them for what they didn't give me. I have to accept personal responsibility for the wisdom that I need. I call it a wisdom portfolio. You might want to write this down, but you need a wisdom portfolio. What do I mean by that? Since, since everybody doesn't know everything about everything, everyone doesn't know everything about everything, you can have some people that know a lot about certain things. So find people in your life that you bring into your life, this, this wisdom portfolio. Maybe they got the parenting thing down. They've raised kids who now are grown and, and, and love Jesus and love the local church and know their gifts and, 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 and still in relationship with them. Find, you, I have parents in my life, people that done this parenting thing well, that are part of Stacy and I's wisdom portfolio. We have people that do the money thing really well. Like we, we wanted to, they, they, they understand the kingdom of God, not just the things of this world. And they're generous before God, but they also can enjoy life. And, and, and they're good stewards, but they're generous. They, 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 have, they, they, they have a plan, and, and, and they're not just building their, their current retirement. They're building their eternal retirement, and, and they're successful. And there's, I know some people, one, one particular individual is married over 50 years who's part of our wisdom portfolio, and, and they're, just, they've just, they're still in love with each other, and they're still crazy about each other. And, 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 and you got to meet them last week. Pastor John and Helen Burns are, are that to Stacey and I. They're, they're, I used to say this to them. I call them Papa John and Mama. Mama Helen. I'm like, that's what I want when I'm at their phase of life. They're a part of my wisdom portfolio. So when we have a marriage struggle, we call Papa John and Mama Helen. Are you with me? Some of you need a diversified wisdom portfolio in your life because you, you, you will never know everything about everything, but certain people will know certain things better than you. Amen? Last point. Everybody say last point. This has been so good, PD. Last point is apply what you learn. Apply it. Come on, somebody, apply it. This is a big point here, but most people are educated way beyond their level of obedience. I'll say it again because I got one wow, and that was it. Most people are educated way beyond their level of obedience. I got three wows. Praise the Lord. Okay, four. Come on, somebody. See, wisdom, here's what I want to say to you. This is huge. Wisdom doesn't work if you don't apply it. It doesn't work. James 1.22, if you don't believe me, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Everybody say do it. Do it. 
You must do what it says. But listen, this is what we miss. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. One translation says deceiving yourselves. Why would God say you're fooling or deceiving yourselves? Why, why, why can't I just hear it and be okay with it? Because if you just hear the word and don't do the word, you're deceived into thinking that you're wise and you're not. You're not wise if you don't do it. You're just, you just have an answer. You just have knowledge. Don't kid yourself. The Bible's saying don't deceive yourself. You are not wise. You are deceived if you think you can just hear it and then not do it. And so all of us have a different level of understanding that comes when it's accompanied by obedience. I would submit to you, you get uncommon supernatural insight when you apply what you have received. Oh, there's so much more in there that I don't know how to unpack, but you're not wise if you know it. You're wise if you do it. The Hebrew culture back in the day, they they didn't understand how to separate learning from action. If if they came up to you and said, do you believe God heals? And you said yes, they'd say immediately right after that, well, who have you prayed for? If you said nobody, they'd say, oh, I can't listen to you. If you said, if they said to you, do you believe in the tithe? Do you believe in the tithe? You say, yes, I do, I believe. Do you practice it? And you say, well, well, I don't practice it. They say, oh, I can't even listen to you because belief and action could not be separated with the Hebrew culture. And that's what James is simply saying in this situation. You don't just hear things. They're two, belief and action are two sides of the same coin. You have to do it. Are you with me, everybody? Amen. And so there's some things in your life where you have received weekend and week out. You have received morning by morning in your devotions. You've received from, from godly people and God himself wisdom from heaven. But you're deceived if you think you're wise if you're not doing it. And I would submit that self-deception is a hard hole to get out of. So to have wisdom, we have to ask for it. To have wisdom, we have to accept responsibility. But to have wisdom, maybe most importantly... We have to apply it. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you at all locations. Uh, campus pastors can come to the front at this particular time. A closing verse, and then I'll dismiss the campuses. But Proverbs 19.20 says this. This is in a world of information, everybody. We live in a world of information, but we live in a world without wisdom. Can I have an amen out there? Amen. We live in a world of information and a world without wisdom. But let me leave you this verse. Proverbs 19.20 says... Church, connect, family, get all the advice and instruction you can. Get it all. So you will be wise the rest of your life. Framingham, TC, God bless you. We'll see you very soon. Church family, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to pray for you right where you are. I want to pray two things. I want to pray for you regarding this message, and I want to pray for some that maybe are disconnected from God or distant from God in this season of their life, in this place in your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no looking around. Just honor the people next to you so they can have a moment with God as if it was just you and me and God in the room having a conversation. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Is there anybody that can speak into your life? Is there any correction that can be Are you done learning? Have you kind of shut it down? Are you still growing? Are you the same? If somebody came 
and visited you and said, you know what, and hadn't seen you in a long time, and they said, you know what, you haven't changed a bit. That can be a compliment in one respect, but it can be an indictment in another. Are you still changing and growing? Father, I pray for every single person in this room that we would have a teachable spirit. If you know that you need to grow in being teachable, would you just raise your hand and say, acknowledge that and say, that's me. I need to be, I need to be more teachable. I need a teachable spirit. I have a hard time receiving. God bless you. God bless you. So, Father, for all those people that acknowledge that, I pray that you turn their receiver on in Jesus' name, that they'd be able to apply this message. Lord, I would say, maybe most importantly, that they'd just be humble. Teach them how to be humble, to have a humble spirit that can receive what God is trying to say to them and what God would say to them even through others. Lord, I pray we'd be a church that's just hungry to grow and glad to receive instruction. Lord, we're just so receptive, Father, in Jesus' name. And Lord, your word tells us that he who wins souls is wise. And so God, I'm just asking right now if there's any souls in this room, maybe some that could be listening beyond in all the locations people are being prayed for at this time in the same way. If there's somebody here who feels like their soul is not in the hands of God, they're not certain about their eternity, their salvation, their, their destiny after this life. We, we have no promise of tomorrow. We just lost a sister just this week. She was young. Thankfully, she knows Jesus. and She's, she's with the Lord. And she's celebrating. No more pain, no more sorrow. We, we miss her, but there's no more pain, no more sorrow for her. Death lost its sting because she knows Jesus. You can too. And if you're here today and you're not certain you know Jesus and you want to, I'd like to introduce you to him. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to ask you to leave your seat. I'm just right there where you are. You can have an altar call with God. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Good and high. I want to make sure I'm okay with God. God bless you, sister. God bless you here. That's, that's one, two, three. Good and high so I can see it. I don't want to miss it. Did I miss anybody? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's so good. You can put your hand down. Church, would you pray with them? And those that just raised your hand, would you just say this prayer? I'm encouraging you to mean it from your heart. This is a big moment. This is a destiny-changing moment. Just say this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I open up my spirit to teach and to train me in the ways of God. But I also recognize that I need your grace in order for this whole thing to start, in order for this whole relationship to begin, I need to recognize that I'm a sinner saved by grace. I receive grace through faith for my life right now. Now, Father, for every person who prayed that prayer in accordance with Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, they're saved because they've received salvation by grace through faith. And because of that, their name, your name, sister, brother, is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you can have that certainty, that assurance because of that profession of faith and believing in your heart. And we celebrate with you. And the Bible says angels rejoice in heaven as well. So can you guys all give everybody that just said yes to Jesus a hand clap as we worship him right now. Amen and amen.